Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hope you are having a good week. Now, we were going to bring you the first of my conversations with Andrew Kutnick, as I said in the last week's podcast, but I had the opportunity to catch up with Kiwi runner Ruth Croft over the weekend, and I really wanted to bring you this conversation that I had with Ruth. Now, yeah, I don't even think you need to be interested in running to know who Ruth Croft is after she took out the entire Tarawera race and she made headlines for being the overall winner. Since then, Ruth has gone on and done a few races before towing the start line at Western States 100 mile event a couple of weeks ago in her first miler and coming second, and also being in the top 10 of the field as well, which is just an absolutely stunning event to debut at For a Miler and have such an amazing outcome for that. So I wanted to bring you this really sort of up-to-date conversation that I had with Ruth, who is currently residing in Costa Rica, telling, taking a well-earned break after that event. Now, whilst we talk obviously about her success at the Western States race, the conversation is much more about the things that Ruth does to help her be consistent in her training, to allow her to go on and to be so successful because this isn't a surprise sort of out of the blue type result for Ruth. She has been unbelievably successful over a range of distances and I think this is what makes her such an interesting person to talk to with regards to her running. She's won a silver medal at the 2019 World Trail Running Championships. She won the the Grand Trail de Templier in 2017. You know, that's a sky running event. Her running bio is amazing. She's done the Kepler a number of times. She's done the Lavaretto Ultra Trail. She's come first in the Mount Fuji race, Mount Kinabalu Climathon. These are like smaller, shorter, faster events um, back in her sort of early days of running. And then, you know, more recently in 2019 and also 2020, she's been hitting these slightly shorter distances in amongst some of these longer distance events. So we chat about the strength training she does, the nutrition, what her weekly volume and mileage looks like and how her training looks for the miler compared to say something like a 100k event about the importance of sleep about the importance of mindset you know what supplements she takes and also what she did from a nutrition standpoint with western states and how she really dialed that in and how successful it was as well so we talk about a range of different things and I felt so appreciative that Ruth made herself available um, during her recovery time to come and chat to me on Wikipedia. So please enjoy my conversation with Ruth Croft. I've been on there a lot. It's great. <laughs> a few times. They're good guys. <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome actually I saw Eugene he was um at the end of the park run today just doing the so good volunteering to to do the times and stuff oh awesome that's great it's good of him I've got Woo2K coming up in Wellington I think he that's a, he's training for that oh yes yeah honestly like if there was one like I love I mean Obviously, as a runner, I love lots of different courses and stuff, but Wellington is one place that I would not probably do any sort of race in. I just, Why is that? I, I just don't like the wind. I know <laughs> that sounds really lame. <laughs> well, I've heard good things about Wu2K. I've never done it, but everyone, I know, everyone I, talks like up about it. 
Yeah, I know, actually. And I've got a few friends doing it. And I just, and actually my stepdaughter is in Wellington as well, studying at Massey. And and Barry, husband, is like, oh, we should go do the Wu 2K. And I'm like, oh my God, no. It's like thinking about doing like the Wellington Marathon or Dunedin Marathon, like both of them so unappealing to me. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so um, let's kick off. Ruth, good morning. Look, first of all, thank you so much for taking time to um, chat to me today because I know that you are on a well-earned sort of break from life and running and, and everything in general. How's it in Costa Rica? Uh, it's great. Yeah, I can't complain. Uh, I've been here. This is coming up my oh, just over one week. Um, just been doing a lot of yeah, relaxing and reading books and uh, did a bit of diving. And I had two, I'm studying naturopathy, so I had two papers due just before Western States as well. So it's good to have a, a actual proper break right now. That sounds fab. Actually, I, I do want to talk to you about the naturopathy a little bit. And as a nutritionist, I sort of feel like we're almost kindred spirits, but you're just a little bit younger and like quite a lot faster <laughs> than I am in terms of the, the running. Um, first, so Ruth, What's the COVID situation like in Costa Rica? Um, so Costa Rica, it is considered high risk, depending on what country. But yeah, they do have apparently quite a lot of COVID cases, but they've opened up fully. I think they opened up last August, maybe. Um, and so coming from the States, yeah, you didn't need a COVID test to get in. Um, and then depending on what country you're flying to, you obviously all needed to put a COVID test um, to leave, but then I'm fully vaccinated. So some countries, um, you can just, I can enter without a COVID test. Oh, that's awesome then. So you mean, so in everyday life, is it just, does it seem sort of fairly normal then? Oh yeah. In Costa Rica, it seems totally normal. You just have to wear a mask, uh, going into the shops. And then there is a curfew at 9 PM though. So all the restaurants and bars and everything shut down at nine. But apart from that, like everything's, everything's going as, as usual. Isn't that interesting? A curfew at nine o'clock, almost like post nine o'clock, COVID is going to be so much more, yeah. I don't know, easier to catch or Yeah, it's <laughs> whatever. interesting sometimes the approach. It's uh, uh, I don't know what you're like, Ruth, with your sleep patterns, but nine o'clock almost is like the next, you know, it's like the middle of the night for me. So that actually wouldn't probably curtail anything I had <laughs> planned to do anyway. Yeah, and it's not like this is a party trip or anything, so I'm I'm quite fine with going to going home at nine p.m. <laughs> so, um, Ruth, how's the recovery going? How are you feeling? For, uh, oh, of course, it goes without saying. Massive congratulations, mate! What a race, it, Western States! It was fantastic. So, how is the recovery going? Um, so pretty much after pretty after the race, I felt really wrecked, as I was saying. Like I've I've never felt this destroyed after a race. Um, but then I've just I haven't really I haven't run at all. Um, I've just been doing a lot of yoga, and just getting on eating, make, making sure I'm eating plenty, getting some massages, and just taking it really easy. And I felt this past kind of week, my energy levels are slowly starting to come back. But yeah, I still think it's going to be a few weeks until I'll get back into things 160k like notwithstanding obviously the heat and the you know those kind of conditions as well like I can't imagine what it must feel like to run 160k um and what the body must actually go through like because as I understand it you were you were very I mean you're amazing over so many distances Ruth like I'm I'm not like you could have easily sort of probably stayed at the shorter distances and like totally smashed the amount and, and you know not not sort of take that leap to the hundred to the hundred miler but I mean obviously you did is that how different is the recovery for you from say 100k versus 160k yeah, well, that's, it's kind of all unknown territory for me at the moment. So that's why I'm really making sure. That's why I booked this trip to Costa Rica because um, I just wanted to be in a space where I could fully mentally and physically recover. Um, and I knew that if I went straight back to Europe, I'd probably be tempted by the mountains and get back into running running too quickly. And so I really want to respect this distance and, yeah, make sure I give my body the chance to fully recover. I know with 100K, mm, it can take me a couple of weeks and I could get back into some easy running in that. 
Um, but obviously with Western States, as you said, the heat, I think it just took a bigger toll out of my body. So we'll see. I'll, I'll go back to Europe uh, on the 17th of July, and then I think I'll start trying some easy jogs and see how the body feels. Nice. And what about the what about the mind, Ruth? Like, are you, where's your head at right now? Because I know that with racing, when you kind of train for an event and you kind of mentally are like totally focused, and then you have the run, and then even though there's a little bit of, depending on the race, you sort of completely over it, never want to do it again for about three days, and then you you know mildly contemplate the idea <laughs> of it and sort yeah. of get a bit excited, but. But if you get into it like a little bit too quickly, then you just um, you seem you can get mentally burnt out as well. So where's your head at with the whole idea of sort of getting back into running and and things like that? Yeah, you're right. Like in a race, build up to a race like Western States, like I've been building up to it since January, I suppose. And it does take a lot of mental energy to get yourself prepared in that for it. And so at the moment, I'm honestly not thinking about running. Um, and I'm fine with that. My, I had a call with my coach the other day and yeah, he just said there's nothing on the training program and just you enjoy this time in Costa Rica and we'll talk once you get back to Europe. Um, so yeah, it is important, I think, to not just not just have a break physically, but also mentally just totally switch out. And like, I don't feel like running at the moment, but I know maybe after a week or so, another week um, from now things may change and I might start getting a bit of itchy feet and and that's normally a sign that yeah the mind is ready to get back into some form of training. So Ruth if we can talk about western states I mean obviously the result was amazing but as runners we both know that it isn't just sort of the outcome but you know the process and the race itself did everything go according to plan? Yeah, it did. Honestly, like for my first 100 miler, I don't think I could have asked for a better one. Uh, Everything went really well. Like my nutrition plan, I stuck to that pretty much. Yeah, line for line. Um, I kept myself cool as you have to in Western States. And then, yeah, the the goal was to not blow out my quads as well. And just to get to the 100k point, which is a forest hill of Western States, and then be ready to race that last 60k. And that's pretty much kind of how it played out. Um, I was super patient at the beginning, uh, let the girls ahead of me go off and just had confidence in my training that later on in the race I'd I'd be able to pick them off so yeah like I was super happy with how it went and I I really yeah I couldn't have asked for a better one and like I was yeah stoked to get second and Beth Pascal she just had an amazing race like a really gutsy race as well the way she ran it she led from start to finish um so yeah there was no catching her but I was Mm. yeah very satisfied with second (laughs) Mate, I can only imagine, and I um, listened to your interview on Dirt Church Radio, which um, I encourage anyone who, if they haven't already listened to it, to go and you know get a really good debrief of of the race in its entirety. But I did love how you um, you were talking about how there were just a you know a small group of girls that you sort of ran like a lot of the race with, and one of them in particular had I think become second in another Western States. Um, run and so you sort of knew that she yeah in 2019 yeah and she knew what sort of because it was an uh, it was more familiar territory for her than you were sort of like well you know I sort of knew that she would sort of know how to run an event like this so I can imagine that that would have helped but was there much chat Ruth along the way with the girls that you were running with um with Brittany there was we were checking in on each other um and yeah, and then I was running with Kelly Hinninger before for a while as well. And actually, we were yeah we were talking. Um, and even Brittany, who had, she got second at Western States in 2019, she also said like that group of girls that we were, it was just really good to have some company because for her in 2019, she pretty much ran it solo from start to finish. Um, so we were definitely talking in that and checking in on each other, and it was really good to have that company. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and what was it like, sort of, in the lead up in the in the couple of days up to up to the race, you know, before the start? How were you feeling? Were you like, like, how nervous were you for the hundred and sixty k being this uncharted territory for you compared to say another distance that you know you're that you'd already done and you or another race that you'd already achieved at? Like, how did that feel, sort of, going into this? Um, it, I was in a pretty good headspace, like one of the better headspaces I've been in going to a race. I just felt 
pretty, I don't know, at ease with everything that I knew that I'd done all the training I could have, and I was the best prepared that I could be, um, given what I'd done. Uh, also, uh, there was an element of nervousness, but also super excited um, to do something unknown, because as I said, like on the Dirt Church Radio podcast, I've been doing the same races for the, for the past three years, and I don't get motivated by doing the same events over and over. So yeah, I was just really looking forward to seeing how the day would pan out and having a good crack at 100 miles. So with the training then, Ruth, like I followed a little bit of your journey on Instagram and there was the Christchurch Marathon and then there was... It was the 10K in Christchurch. Thank you. And was <laughs> it the Hawke's Bay Marathon you were going to be doing? Um, I did one in Australia. It was the Australian like marathon trials for the Aussies to try to qualify for the Olympics. So I did That's that in right. middle of April. But then, of course, you did the 50K um, event as well. Yeah, I went over to Ultra Trail Australia and that was kind of, then did the 50K there. It was my first kind of trail race back after doing the road. And I remember I did that and like it went well, I won, but also I really felt like I didn't have my climbing legs. Um, like Paige, who was second, she was really closing in on me on the climbs. And so I knew I had a lot of work to do um, to be ready by Western States. But thankfully, I, I had a bit of time. But actually, looking back on it now, it wasn't a lot of time. Um, so did UTA 50 and then had like a week recovery, flew over to the US and then it was five weeks until race day. Um, and I had a two week taper. So I actually only had a three week block, which, which is, isn't a long time. Um, but I was able to, yeah, I think I was able to get that time in my legs that I needed for a race like Western States. Yeah. So Ruth, like, so I am, so I have done a number of marathons over the years and a couple of ultras and have signed up for Topor 100, the Kepler 60, Tudaware 102. Actually, you know, awesome. as I'm saying that, I'm like, well, that's a lot. But yeah. a different kind of racing, obviously. It's participating. Still, it's a lot, <laughs> but, though. You know, like, so it, it is. And so really, my my number one aim is to actually just get through in one piece, you know, like yeah. isn't, like to try and stay and maintain injury-free. But for someone who, um, you know, you make a career out of this, what does your training look like? So for something like the Western States, which is 160K, how different is the training for that versus, say, your 100K distance? Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think they vary too much at all. Like, I was looking, my longest run, in that three-week block, like, my longest run was 50, I think it was maybe 53K. Uh, and then the following day, like, I would normally do in the weekend two long back-to-back runs. So one day would be maybe five to six hours and then the following day for uh, maybe three to three to four hours um and then I do that I did that for three weekends and so to be honest like my mileage didn't jump up drastically or anything I didn't do like longer runs than what I would do for 100k and I think it's just I had accumulated a lot of like it's the accumulation of training from like middle of December that had just been consistent um, so I don't think it was anything too specific. Mm. And for Western States, like the one thing I noticed when I got over to the US, I did the uh, two days on the course and, and my quads were, quads were just blowing after that. But then the following weeks, I just got on like up and down mountains and, and they were fine by race day, which was good because that's the thing with Western States is it's a net downhill course. Um, so you've got to really have your quads condition going into it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it all, it all worked out. But to, I, I don't think my training, it, it didn't change really much compared to how I would prep for a, for a 100K. So, but you had, obviously you had confidence in what um, you and Jono had discussed with regards to, so your coach, Jono Wyatt, who is an amazing New Zealand mountain runner, who strangely, over here in New Zealand, I don't feel like he's as well known as what he might be over in Europe, where he's sort of a bit of a, you know, in his previous years has been like quite a superstar in terms of his running. Yeah, definitely the case. And like, yeah, he's he's done really well because yeah, he exceeded at mountain running, six times world mountain running champion, but then also went to the Olympics in the road marathon. So he has a lot of versatility, which is not normal for a trail runner or a mountain runner. Completely. So you said a couple of things and that apps that gives me confidence with my training program actually, Ruth, in that it's consistency, it's accumulation. And then also you mentioned about the about 
getting your legs kind of conditioned for the net downhill because that's yeah. where that's where it can really suck. I remember I was running a the 60k at Tarawera and mm-hmm. for whatever reason we I don't know why but I mustn't have done a lot of downhill running because there's a section of the run where you do this massive downhill and then you've got 15k's to run and then you're at the end and that 15k's is actually really runnable for a runner. Yeah. But my quads were so smashed from coming downhill, like immediately smashed. There was no doms. It was rapid onset muscle soreness. I was like, oh my God, I've never had this. Um, And I thought I should have trained a bit more downhill. So how did you, what kind of training did you do for that? Um, So yeah, so it's consistency, but also specificity dependent on the race. And so for me, Mm. I didn't do any, like I did that one weekend where I went over the, the back half of the course Um, but then those two longer runs that I was doing on a Saturday and Sunday they were just making sure I was getting plenty of vert and then plenty like plenty of climbing and plenty of descending Um, so that was the only way I didn't do any specific downhill workouts or anything it was just getting those long runs in in the mountains and that pretty much conditioned my quads given I had come from road so yeah they did need a bit of conditioning on the descents but once I did a few runs in the mountains. I think they came around pretty quickly. Nice. Um, and I also do a lot of strength and conditioning. So I think that that helps is that definitely benefits as well. For sure. And um, cause I heard on, on, I've heard you talk about your strength training. You do it maybe three times a week when you're in training. Is that about right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Ruth, how do you fit that in and around your running? Cause it's always often the case, you know, when you're, you've, if you've got sort of um, key focus sessions during the week, and then you've got recovery days and it's trying to find that balance of when you fit it in. So are you, if you're happy to share, how do yeah, you fit it in sure. and what do you do in your strength training? Um, so it depends on the sessions for the week, but I usually don't try and do it the day before a hard session. Um, sometimes if the session's not too hard, I can do it. Uh, like if I do the session in the morning, I can do the strength and conditioning in the afternoon. Um, so I kind of work it around that it's just depending on the intensity of the session but normally as I said I don't do it the day before Um, and in that program it's a lot of like glute work a lot of hamstrings my core um, so like lunges deadlifts squats um, what else do I do your yeah glute and trying to think not too much upper body pretty much the majority of it is my yeah like my lower lower limbs and like stability um and making sure I've got good range and everything like that awesome and is that one of the things which you um sort of credit to being able to remain consistent throughout the week the uh, the focus on strength in addition to the running um you mean how do you mean to keep to keep focused within my training program or does your do you credit your strength training to allow you to remain relatively injury free oh definitely yeah yeah so I yeah I got a stress fracture in my sacrum or oh, maybe in 2017 and then that after that I got Val Burke from in Wanaka she started doing all my strength and conditioning and I've just noticed a massive difference like just feeling way stronger um, and I think also able to hold my form better um, and I just think it helps you become more balanced as a runner as well. No, I 100% agree. And um, as much as I try and tell my husband, Barry, that he needs to do strength training <laughs> if he wants to go and run the wild next year. Um, oh, he's doing the, the 100 miler? The 50, actually. Oh, wow, um, still. But still has a, like about like some ridiculous amount of vert, like 5,000 metres of vert or something across it, which, which is, is like insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. He's doing that. Yeah, so... So now that he's heard you say that um, strength training is sort of like, you know, one of the one of the key pillars of your training, hopefully he'll that'll kind of inspire him to do it potentially. So, Ruth, outside of the big, long weekend runs, what what's your sort of average mileage then in the lead up to, of course, just Western States? But if it wasn't too different, probably for another longer event that you might do. Yeah, actually, those three weeks, I could probably tell you the mileage. Um, the first week I did 160K, and then I did 4,000, no, close to 5,000 meters of vert. And then that second week of that block, it was 141K and 4,500 meter vert. And then the third week was 120K, and I think it was like 3,500 meters of vert. But normally, like, I normally sit around 120K a week, and 
that 160, I, I don't really do too many of those, to be honest. And does your, so if you compare your training to say um, someone else who does like similar type of running to you, would you, would your overall volume be higher, lower or quite similar? Like, so are you a volume runner or, or are you not as much? Uh, I think I know Beth Pascal does really high mileage. I think she was doing a close to 200k a week, I think, with a few weeks. Or, But I definitely feel like her average sits probably around 140, 150. I'm not sure. Um, it just depends on the runner. And I don't know what too many runners do. I don't know. It's not something we talk about too much. But I feel like I'm, most females would probably sit around 120k per week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember reading. Um... Camille Heron does like consistently can do like 160 k's a week or is like does this like super high volume but mm. I feel like that's sort of like few and far between and I it just know. depends Compared I don't to say the Zach Bitters who do like 160 k yeah and it's just what terrain people are running on and also like how much vert they're doing a week like for me in the marathon build up to do a hundred yeah like 150 160 is a lot easier than if I'm in a trail build up so it just depends, I think, as well. Yeah. And so now, Ruth, you've done like this. I was looking at your stats last night uh, on your sort of real running bio. And there's so much there that you've you know, been so successful over so many different distances. So like, do you have a particular favorite that you really love to do? Or do you just get motivated and inspired by different locations and and sort of different um level like and different distances and stuff like that or is there one that you're like oh no that's absolutely my favorite that I love training for and I love going out and like smashing uh, I think a 50k I love 50k distance it's just a way simpler like for western states like organizing all your like cr- like your crew your aid station like what you want at each aid station like it took a lot of time like I had an excel spreadsheet <laughs> with my crew saying what I needed done at each each aid station like the food like you have to work out your like carbohydrate your sodium like your fluids and then for a 50k like yeah you have to plan your nutrition but it doesn't have to be so regimented um and you're out there for maybe five hours at most and you can go out there run hard and then you're done it's just simple (laughs) so I like that fact about it yeah you're so right like the longer the event the just the more opportunity it is for things to go go wrong wrong. eh? particularly (laughs) like yeah and with the western states you're you obviously you nailed your nutrition which Mm. was phenomenal like would you say you're someone who is able to um do you have like a a cast iron gut or have you had gut issues in the past or how has that looked sort of looked previously and how did you arrive at your nutrition plan for that race yeah um I think just over the years from all the racing and just being able to train my gut to take on gels and that I really did struggle at the beginning when I remember my first 100k at Tarawera um, I couldn't take gels and I had to have real food. Um, but over the years, I've been able to switch that round. Um, and so for Western States, I talked to Ian Hellman's. Hellman's. Yes. Uh, so she put together a plan for me because I just, yeah, I just needed some advice on that because um, I knew, yeah, you can do all the training, but then you go into Western States and you mess up your nutrition and that can throw your whole race. Um, so we had a plan going into it. And yeah, for the first five hours, uh, I ate real food. And the reason for that was because the temperatures would be, would be cooler. Um, and also, yeah, it's early on in the race, so I shouldn't be running too hard. And so I think at that time, I'd, it'd be easier to get real food in. Um, so I made these cooked brown rice and then put a bit of oil and salt and then rolled them into a bowl. And I'd just eat that for one hour um, and make sure I got 60 mm-hmm. grams of carbs for that. And then I'd alternate with these. They were kind of like almond butter protein bars. Um, and I had 500 mils of water and then 600 milligrams of sodium. So I got that for even non-electrolyte tablets or salt stick. Nice. Um, and then after the five hours, yeah, it was starting to heat up. And so I switched over to um, Goo Roctane Summit Tea. And so this is a powder that I diluted over a one liter. And so I upped my uh, fluid to one yeah. liter per hour um, and then upped the sodium to 800 milligrams. And then what else was it? Fluid, sodium. Yeah. And then so that uh, goo also in one serve at 60 grams of carbs. 
Um, so that was easy. And then kind of later yeah. on the race, I'd alternate between that and then I used Morton gels and then Morton caffeinated gels. Um, and yeah, I stuck to that and it, it all worked out. Nice. So your overall carb intake was about 60 grams, about 60 grams an hour yeah. sort of for the entire race then yeah. from those different sources. Nice, Ruth. It, and those rice balls, do they come from like, um, I want to say Alan Lim, like there's this um, nutritionist um, in the States and I remember seeing a cookbook and he has, re- he has talked before about having like these little rice balls that might have something in them, but just the, with the salt and the, and the oil, um, easy to eat. Um, I don't know, like those first five hours, cause you have to eat quite a lot of real food to get the equivalent carbs of what you can get in gels and that to get that 60 grams. And so I felt like those first five hours, I was just eating like all hour, every hour. <laughs> but it's just like you just get it done because you know that like after that you can switch to your liquid um calories so yeah. I don't know if it was easy to eat but in the in the situation of running slower and it being earlier in the race I just kind of got it done yeah and could you have done that on say Tarawera which 100k quicker higher intensity yeah I actually for Tarawera I this is where I first tried real food as well. Oh, not first tried, but I tried real food because that's what I wanted to test for Western States. Um, yeah. So for Tara, where I actually lasted seven hours on real food and then I switched to gels. Um, so then I made for that what worked really well was um, Stacey Sims has these, they're called like, I don't know, salty balls, <laughs> something like that. And yeah. they're made out of uh, brown rice syrup, almond butter, and then protein powder and a bit of salt. Yeah. And I ate them and they were really easy to eat. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, um, that, that actually sounds really delicious too. Um, of course, for seven hours, and then I can see why you'd sort of switch to, to, yes. <laughs> to something else afterwards. <laughs> and how often would you... I did try, sorry, I tried dehydrated potatoes as well, that race, but they didn't work out. But given oh. like I just added hot water to dehydrated potatoes, and so I don't think that makes them <laughs> very tasty. <laughs> No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, so Ruth, how often would you train your race nutrition, say in, in training over that three, say that three week sort of block that you did, how often did you sort of go out and go, right, this is, I'm having 60 grams of carbs an hour um, for this entire run? Or would you actually just do that in your long runs generally anyway? I just I just did it in my long runs for the I tried those bars because um, I bought those in the US and I was just trying them on the long runs um, and then every run I was more trying to get more fluids in because I don't really normally drink a liter an hour so mm. even on uh, runs that weren't long I would make sure I had the getting used to carrying two handholds and drinking more fluids yeah and so then practicing the eating part just yeah just on the long runs really yeah nice and what do you do generally speaking in your training like um in terms of eating beforehand people are always super interested in in knowing what the what the pros do with regards to their nutrition um yeah so I always eat something before heading out the door no matter what the what the training is I always make sure even if it's an easy run just have like a banana and some nut butter um, and then it just depends on what time of the day I'm training as well. But normally for breakfast, what have I, oh, for breakfast, I've been on big on like green smoothies. It was my massive, oh, yeah. my latest kind of thing. And that would just be like uh, spinach, chlorella, um, what else? Like a, a, a pea protein, um, avocado, banana, and then some uh, like almond milk. Um, and then granola kind of on top that would be my that's been my breakfast of late delicious and then since you mentioned breakfast so what other types of things do you eat there Ruth like what about your your general sort of lunch and and things like that yeah um I'm gluten intolerant but then for like lunch it will just be it's normally just stuff like thrown in a bowl and a dressing or something (laughs) added to it be like a rice like with some form of protein whether it be like eggs or chicken or anything like that with some nuts and seeds and some like lettuce and tomato um and then dinner yeah this is where I need some actually new cooking inspiration <laughs> like sometimes you're just functionally eating uh yeah. it's also similar like some quinoa 
like there's pretty like some grains some veggies and some form of protein it's actually not yeah, that exciting yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny like that hey we all get I mean if you're bored with your food you're right then variety is good but oftentimes people eat sort of the same thing but if they're not bored it look, might look boring but if you look yeah. at my Instagram feed like my meals are pretty much very similar uh dinner is very similar lunch is almost always the same but I'm not overly bored by it so yeah so that's you know not necessarily oh uh, that's good yeah yeah not not a bad thing but and so Ruth you're studying naturopathy and you sort of talk us through what you sort of just ate so have you always been interested in the the health kind of aspect of it or have you always been interested in health basically um yeah I have been uh to be honest and it's yeah I realize what a big part it can play in your performance and your recovery as a runner mm. um and so it was started last year I kind of decided that yeah I wanted to learn more about it and so I enrolled in the New Zealand School of Naturopathy um, and have started studying that Um, but definitely yeah it's something I've always been interested in. Yeah nice because as I understand it you're um, you do daily meditation and you you sort of credit meditation and your meditative practice to as being part of your sort of uh, of your training and, and allowing you to succeed with your running and stuff as well right how did you how did you sort of happen upon meditation and the meditation retreats that you do um so I think it was probably four years ago uh, I just finished the season in Europe and I was just feeling mm. really stale um, I felt like I hadn't been challenged for I hadn't challenged myself in a long way in a long time and then um yeah I just felt like I didn't have much self-development yeah. going on um and I felt like running had kind of become my comfort zone in a way. And I was just kind of seeking something more. And my sister had done Vipassana years ago. Um, and I'd had a good friend from Australia do it. And so I ended up like very last minute finding, because Vipassana has just become very popular and it's hard to get into a retreat. And I found one in Sri Lanka. And so like within a week I'd booked a flight and um, got my way to Sri Lanka and done, I started the Vipassana course. It's amazing. So that's a 10-day silent retreat where you're not able to read or talk to anyone. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, so it's essentially, yeah, 10 days of silent meditation where you start meditating normally at 4 in the morning and it finishes. Then you have a discourse in the evening and you kind of finish at like 9.30 at night. You have given, you do have breaks throughout the day. It's like 10 hours of meditation per day. Um, yeah, no reading, writing, speaking, like eye contact, hand gestures, um, pretty much nothing to take you away from working on yourself, on your mind. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, like way harder than running 100 miles, oh, yeah. but something that, yeah, I got so much out of it. And I recommend if anyone has the opportunity to do it, um, yeah, I really think it's, it's worth it. It was amazing. And had you meditated prior to that? Like a bit of headspace, you know, 10 minutes, mm. not quite 10 days. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that was essentially it. It was like I downloaded the headspace app. I tried to do it yeah. um, and just kind of like failed miserably. So it was a lot to go from that into it. But I think Vipassana, because it's so full on, it's 100 hours of meditating. You really learn the technique and you really can see the progress. We're with headspace just doing it every now and then. I just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vipassana really kind of like throws you in the deep end. Oh mate, absolutely. And then so post that kind of retreat, like do you meditate daily, Ruth? I don't meditate, like I try to meditate daily, but it mm. doesn't always happen. Um, like after that first, I found Vipassana like super full on and like by the end, um, like a bit too full on. And so mm. it kind of, it taught me the basics and then like a year later I went back and um to a um where did I go? I went back to Sri Lanka and did another seven day um one that was similar and then last year I I did a 10 day one but w- which was a different meditation technique and I felt more drawn to that one mm. um and since then I've kind of become yeah I do meditate more regularly and I try to do it every day um, and I find it especially helpful like leading into big events and that. Yeah and you know if I'm thinking about you know the longer events and stuff and particularly obviously something like a miler like the keeping your head in the game I imagine is like 
you know, one of the hardest things. I know sometimes even going out for a half hour run, like after about two minutes, you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I've got to continue on for another 28 minutes. Like, is <laughs> does the meditate, this, the techniques or anything you've learned in meditation, did that help or does that help you with your racing and your running? Yeah, I think it, it definitely does. And it just helps me in my everyday life as well, because we all have that voice in our head that gets carried away and it kind of starts self-destructing. And it makes me more aware of it when it is playing playing tricks. Um, yeah. And then going into a race, it's just making sure my uh, my intention is right. Um, and then in the race, making sure I'm not getting caught up in what's like what the outcome is that I want, or not getting caught up on something that maybe something went wrong. Um, so just focusing on what I need to do at that moment, and that's normally like making sure I'm eating and drinking enough and doing all those small things right so yeah not focusing too much on the outcome of what you want I love the way that you put that that you're you know you're you're it's all about the stories that we tell ourselves right and so so much of the sort of success in anything is about I can't run a hundred miles or you know I'm not strong Mm -hmm. enough to to do an event like that or you know or look at them I'm nowhere near as fit as those other people and and stuff like that so I can see how something like what you do with your meditation must you know how useful it would be to help sort of switch that story around there's this uh book called The Brave Athlete by um Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson have you heard of it? No, I haven't. They talk a lot about that in um in their book. It's all geared around sort of calming down and and rising to the occasion, basically. And they they talk a lot about those mm-hmm. stories that, as an athlete, you tell yourself, and and they provide some techniques to help people sort of overcome those voices in their head that tell them that they're not good enough and or strong enough or whatnot. It's super good. It's and they're hilarious as well because that's written by some a British and a Scottish. Oh, okay. Uh, person so <laughs> it's a real easy read I have to check it out I just read the athlete mindset I think it's athlete mindset I can't remember and it was talking about how like we each have we have a, a light wolf and a dark wolf and they're in a fight and the light wolf it stands for like joy compassion um, positivity like fearlessness like all those kind of like positive um, emotions and then you've got your your dark wolf that's about um, like anxiety fear yeah. um, worry like all those of dark emotions and it's like well which which wolf wins and it's the wolf that you feed um so yeah. I always like that one yeah no I really like that one and have you always sort of been interested in the mindset stuff Ruth or is this something that you have become more interested in over time as you've become I, I suppose more successful in your running uh it's not so much triggered by running it's just I don't know I'm just curious and want more self-development I don't want to feel stagnant and by this meditation it's just opened up a whole another realm um which I think I've there's so much to learn from it and I think it's really taught me to be able to kind of step back as well like I think in a lot of life we go around reacting and not so much in a responding manner um so it's really given me that space to yeah see how my mind works and get a better understanding of it and not let it get carried away you know, I, I, I absolutely love that. And I, that's something which, which I feel like some people shy away from books like that. Or one, they don't see them as particularly relevant or interesting or important. Or two, they, or you, it's mm-hmm. hard to read and get interested in the self-development stuff because it then almost forces you to then potentially change how you interact with your environment and the people around you and also with those thoughts mm-hmm. because you know we've got lots of these de- default behaviors I suppose and a default way of doing things that yeah. when you are forced to you know when you read about something and suddenly you you become aware of why you're thinking this way then it's almost it becomes your responsibility almost to change it and change is hard I don't know yeah. so I feel like totally. you know the the fact that you 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 seem to want to challenge yourself in a number of different ways, Ruth. Obviously, the running and the training is is one of them, but that whole self development stuff is almost like another sort of challenge that you know you can kind of take on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn, and I think even yeah, as you say, it, it, sometimes it's hard to when you yeah you can see yourself a bit more, and sometimes we don't like that. But 
um, yeah, you get a bit of understanding of a lot of where, because yeah, we're a product of our environment a lot of the time and we mm-hmm. get passed down even from, yeah, where we live or even behaviors from our parents and stuff. And so you kind of start noticing those and, but once you're aware of them, you can then, it's not so much change them, but just kind of let those all dissolve. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so Ruth, I've, I've got like a few other sort of questions and stuff like that, that sort of are in and around training and your life and a bit more about you and, and things like that. So I think I, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, what is it that keeps you sort of training strong and consistent and healthy? But we've talked about the types of foods that you eat and the strength training and the and your actual training. And so you've spent like now a week now in Costa Rica doing a bit of diving. Are you diving for anything or are you just diving and exploring? Oh, just diving and exploring. Yeah, I went diving yesterday and we could we saw turtles and oh. stuff like that. It's kind of, yeah, I got my li- my paddy license in Thailand quite a few years ago. And so it's my thing I do if I, if I go on a holiday somewhere. Oh, fantastic. And what else do you do in your downtime, Ruth? I mean, you mentioned reading. Is it like, do you like novels as well as, you know, um, self-development, personal development stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I've just finished reading The Athlete Mindset and what other book did I read? uh michael pollan's how to change your mind and he's just i just downloaded his latest one that's just been released as well um yeah i'm i'm not very good at reading fictional i really should because it's probably good for my imagination (laughs) (laughs) no those um the athlete mindset i've heard of that you mentioned before as well sounds good and i've read um maybe half of michael pollan's um how to change your mind fascinating and have actually seen that he's just gone on um there's an interview with him on Tim Ferriss that I want to listen to which we'll be talking about his new book sounds really good and um Ruth are you a do you like to indulge a little bit in wine or beer or anything like that or is that not on your sort of like dietary agenda no definitely yeah I definitely like to have um I don't drink beer more a cider girl but, and also drink red or white wine. Definitely do that, especially even like I'm not super strict in that sense. About you gotta you gotta live life. You gotta have some fun, and I'm not not strict about that sort of thing. Oh. Even when I'm training, that it, it's so funny how we we get, feel like a little bit better and a bit validated when we hear other people say things like that. Because I'm with you on that, and um, <laughs> I often hear like of like um, you know runners, and they're amazing runners, and they're like, no, I don't drink any alcohol in the like lead up to my event, and I might have one or two, and I think whatever works for you is amazing. Um, exactly. But I al- yeah, yeah. I also wonder, oh man, maybe I'm just doing it wrong because I like I just love looking forward to that craft beer every Friday night. That's sort of you know the and it's one of the re- not one of the reasons you run, but. It's like, you know, as a way to relax and unwind after running, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's one of the, one of the, you're no, right. And you, you've got to enjoy, you've got to enjoy what you do. And if having that beer on a Friday night, it makes you like, brings you joy. Then <laughs> I would not take it out. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take that, Ruth. Now, any supplements that you have, um, you know, as part of your everyday regime? Yeah, I take uh, fish oil and magnesium, zinc. I supplement with iron and what else do I take that I use also um, rhodiola and shisandra and yes I've also got a mushroom blend that I use like cordyceps reishis chaga yeah you just have those that kind of like a tincture nice and you're you're quite consistent with that as well when I'm in high training yeah I do and then I kind of when I'm having a break and then I kind of get off everything and so I'm not consistently on all of them but definitely when yeah I'm in the thick of training I'm pretty pretty religious about taking supplements yeah nice and it's interesting when people talk about you know that you should get everything that you need from food um or one depending on where you are in the world mm-hmm. and the you know the soil quality exactly. and the ability to get those nutrients through our food is slightly compromised anyway but then also when you do put your body under that stress load through everyday training it's super challenging to get to you know to um, get everything you need from food and you know some of those things you mentioned sounded like they'd be really good for the you know calming the central nervous system down and just 
helping with that adaptogenic response as well, which I think is super important for people who are under high stress load. Yeah, and just like working on the inflammation and that as well with the fish oil. And I think it is food isn't what it used to be. Um, And even if you think you can get it through whole foods, I think if you've got a really high training load, it definitely pays to, yeah, get some supplementation on board as well. And I normally get regular blood tests done as well every, say, every three to four months just to make sure everything's okay. Nice. That's it's such a good idea. And um, now, Ruth, I do remember seeing on Instagram you um, gingerly lowering yourself into a freezer <laughs> that um, in lieu of an ice bath. Is that something that you do as a regular sort of thing as part of your recovery? Or Because, uh, P.S., <laughs> I do love the idea of it. I, I've been trying to um, convince Barry for us to get a big chest freezer. freezer to have outside our house for me, but... <laughs> He He hasn't actually uh, agreed yet. Is he as receptive to that as the strength training? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) basically. (laughs) But is that something that you 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 enjoy doing on occasion, or is it like is that part of your regular recovery sort of routine? It's tricky. Not too many people I know have a have a chest freezer, but when I'm on the west coast, my good friend Josh Coleman, um, he had leukemia. Uh, acute myeloid leukemia and when he was um he also graft versus uh, mm. graft versus host disease and that and what helped, really helped him was the ice baths and like the Wim Hof method and so when I'm on the coast it's uh he has, was having it every Sunday um so we'd go in there he'd do a bit of breath work uh and then do five minutes in the chest freezer and yeah and then also there was a sauna um just across the road so then after that we'd go over sauna so yeah, I definitely enjoy that. I think it's I for me it's more the mental the the mental aspect that you get out of just lowering yourself into the ice freezer and then your mind goes crazy saying you want want to get out of there, but then it's just trying to bring it back down, bring it into the present moment and staying calm and and just yeah, not trying to get into that fight or flight response. So I try and do it when I can and find a cold river if I can, but when I'm traveling, it's, it's not always the easiest. No, I, do you know, I love doing stuff like that too as well. And prior to our call after park run, I jumped in. We've got a, a, a t- very tidal beach, but beach just down the end of our road. And I was in on uh, uh, for 10 minutes swimming. And of course I stravered it to show people <laughs> that I was doing it. Um, and like the water, t- the water temperature in Auckland, it's like, it's not that cold. It's about 15 degrees. Um, but I agree with you. The, for me, doing something like that, like it feels invigorating. Um, and I'm thinking, well, it's, you know, it's going to be good for my recovery. But also, it's the idea that I've done something hard. Yeah. And that yeah. I've really, you know, I'm like, this isn't, you know, I really don't want to, I do want to do this, but it's hard to do. But then the fact that I do that, just, it can make other things seem a little bit easier, I think. Well, yeah. you know, the next thing that I do in, in the day, I'm like, well, it wasn't as hard as getting in that water down the end of the road. Yeah, and it's just finding in your day, finding ways to challenge yourself. Like you don't have to go run 100 miles. Like you say, it's just go for a dip in, in, in the ocean. Or, yeah, Josh, he has cold showers every day. I haven't got to that level, but it's just ways of challenging yourself. Yeah. Nice. Now, tell me, your um, partner, Martin, is he very much aligned with you in terms of his diet and his sort of mindset stuff or not at all was he a fish and chips man and, you know <laughs> no we definitely wouldn't wouldn't touch a, a, a weight at all he jumps in all my, my a lot of my training sessions and then yeah the strength and conditioning uh we eat pretty much the same except for he is a massive sweet tooth like he can just eat chocolate like just so much <laughs> chocolate or brownies or anything like that um, which was a massive struggle for me yeah. when we first started going out because, you know, when you're around someone, like normally I wouldn't eat that much of, yeah, of chocolate and that. But when I started dating him, I noticed I started eating a lot more of it. And so <laughs> I would get really frustrated at him, but then it's me that has the problem. <laughs> uh, but we're in a better, better space about that now. <laughs> well, that's good. That was the same with me. And uh, craft beer and hot chips exactly the same it wouldn't be, like it wouldn't be something I'd touch very much at all but now I've grown really fond of them which I actually think has just actually added um joy to my life rather than yeah. you know um a negative it's like Martin I said to him like he should cut out because he eats chocolate and that every day and I was like maybe you should just 
you should just cut a bit of it out and just have it like in the weekends or something. And he's like, but it just brings me so much joy. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't argue with that, can you? No, you can't. You You definitely can't. Okay. (laughs) Keep it in. (laughs) And what about sleep for you, Ruth? Like what's your sort of sleep pattern like? Um, So, yeah, I try, well, I don't know, it's maybe in bed by 10 at the latest. Um, and then be up between six and seven normally. Normally pre- sleep pretty well and yeah. have no issues there. And um, favorite meal? Oh, probably my auntie's um, manuka smoked salmon. Akaroa smoked salmon would be my favorite, hands down. Oh, oh, mate, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So, Ruth, looking forward then, I know that from Dirt Church Radio that you've got a few events potentially that you could go and do later on in the year but have you like formalized or or thought what will be your next event not really like the plan was just discuss that when I get back to Europe but the the options would be um, UTMB CCC it's 100k in uh end of no end of August start of September uh, then the other option is, oh, we have our, it's an infinite trails race with Adidas in Austria, uh, which is in October, but that's just shorter. Um, if I didn't do CCC, it could be Transvolcania in La Palma in Spain, or it could be the world mountain running slash trail champs in October, November. So yeah, I think I've got one more race kind of in my belt, like a, a longer a longer race but then after that I'm pretty sure I'd just call it a year because I think after Tarawera and Western States and then some like one more I think it's it's getting quite a lot yeah completely and um and you mentioned Adidas because obviously you're part of team Adidas um this is now as as I understand it you sort of made the jump from Scott to Adidas what if it's all right that I ask Mm. what is it that um sort of encourage you to do that or was it just a natural sort of conclusion of your time with Scott and then you you had other opportunities come up um yeah it was coming to the end of my contract with Scott and then yeah I started um I reached out to Adidas and it just seemed like the right fit I've got a quite a big team now but also yeah their support is great like they'll do anything really to help you achieve your goals um and it was especially yeah evident with the support that they gave the team and that there was four of us at Western States. Um, and so, yeah, it was really good. And also yeah. they have the team. And for me, it's quite important, especially as once I leave New Zealand, I'm on the road quite a bit. And so having those like time when we had in Lake Tahoe as a team, we stayed at a house and then I'll go to Chamonix after here and we have another team house there. Um, then we have a training camp with the team in Austria um, and the Infinite Trails race. So it's just good. It's just like kind of like a bit of a family on the road and it makes a massive difference for me. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, people often view running as like an individual sport. And of course it is because when you kind of toe the start line, you're there to run for yourself. But in everyday life, I feel like running is such a good way to sort of bond with people and have that camaraderie and, as you say, have that real family feel about it, particularly if you are part of a – when we're all part of the running community, but you've, mm. you've got your own little, like, tribe or your own little team of um, people. And, Ruth, I've got to say, the way that you just described, you know, turning up to Chamonix for a team and uh, to stay with the team and have a training camp in the team house and stuff mm. like that, it's seriously like every runner's dream like that would be amazing yeah I'm I'm very fortunate of it and it's yeah it's such a good group of people too and our manager he's awesome and yeah so I'm I'm definitely stoked to be with Adidas awesome and I love Adidas kit as well it's awesome what do you run in what shoes do you run in um so they've put out the speed series um line this year that came out Uh, and so I was racing the majority of western states in the speed ultra and it's on the yeah. last of the Boston. So if people have worn the Boston uh, racing flat, um, they'll be familiar with that. And then they also have a speed flow, which I use for my kind of everyday training. So I kind of alternate between the speed ultra and the speed flow. Nice. And have you, are you someone who's had a lot of issues with shoes or have you generally been someone who can sort of get into a pair of shoes and, and as long as obviously you've got, you know, the right sort of fit and they feel good for your feet, you're generally okay? Yeah, I'm generally okay. I've got a pretty narrow 
narrow foot and so as long as the shoe isn't too wide which the speed line isn't um I'm, I'm pretty fine and Ruth when are you back in New Zealand I don't know like in my I was looking on MIQ um two days ago and I see it's all full up until end of November so I need to go um go and sit on that for like oh. an hour and hit the refresh button and hope that a spot will come up but otherwise, I need to find out when the December dates will get released. Um, I would ideally come try and come out the end of November, December. Yeah, and uh, you're vaccinated. I know. You still need to go into yeah. MIQ. Yeah, I don't That's... understand that. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, I don't know how New Zealand's kind of going to get out of the situation that it's in at the moment. No, I totally agree with you on that one. I don't know either. Mm. Um, but of course... So that'll be this year, and I imagine that actually the only race that you'll be focusing on next year will be what we mentioned before, and the Miler, the Wild. <laughs> Surely you'll come back to do the Wild. Mel, he's, he reached out to me the other day. Um, I think Jono is even, yeah. my coach wants to do the 50 Miler. He was saying it was his, his oh, 50th really? birthday, and he wants to do the 50th, 50 Miler, and it will be the longest run. And so he was, I think he was worried that he hadn't got the like qualifications or the standards to do it. <laughs> but I think, um, and then he was asking for my, what my Western States um, nutrition plan was. He wanted to see it. So I sent that through to him and I was telling him he could just adapt it for his 50 miler. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But like it looks like a phenomenal event, eh? And one that I would never touch with a barge pole because it is certainly like I'm not that type of runner. Yeah. But um, I saw um, are you? Do you know Anna Frost at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see her. Her and her husband Brazza um are gonna be doing it, and um, a whole bunch of other sort of uh people on the uh, New Zealand. Running, trail running circuit. scene I've seen are going to do it so Ruth you should you know absolutely contemplate <laughs> that, you know 11,000 meters vert 100 miles <laughs> I don't know if we're doing the 100 miler I do want a shorter there's a third is there a 20 miler or a 30 miler I think there is yeah, actually, there is yeah. a twenty miler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it, um, I don't know if it's over the first part of the course. We were watching a, a, a YouTube clip of it last night because that's what we do, um, and it looked actually awesome. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably contemplate doing something like that too. Yeah, I think that's good. Ruth, hey, look, thank you so much for your time um, this morning and your Friday night as well. I really appreciate you, you know, taking time out to um, come and chat to me about. Um, little bit about western states but more really pick your brain about what you do and and how you manage to do it and the things that enable you to be successful with your running like you are amazing and I've listened to a number of podcasts and have followed your results over the last well particularly probably you came on like particularly after Tarawera this year because obviously you ran you won that race outright that wasn't the first race uh one outright but you know you just you're such an amazing representation of of a kiwi chick running and it's always lovely to follow people like you so thank you so much for taking the time awesome thank you for having me it's been it's been really interesting to have a good conversation with you and yeah thanks for your questions and everything and also doing all the research i appreciate it (laughs) Oh, no problem at all, Ruth. So you go and enjoy your cider and uh, and your little thing in a bowl for dinner. And um, good luck with the rest of your recovery and making those awesome decisions for what you're going to do for the rest of the year. Thanks, Mickey. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and you can sort of see how I was picking her brain a little bit in part because of the up and coming events that I've got. If there was any opportunity to learn from the experts, this would definitely be one of those time points. And as you would have heard from the interview, you know, Ruth has got a bit of downtime now and then has to make some decisions around the types of racing that she'll be doing in the next year, but she's certainly not overdoing it, which is fantastic. And who knows? maybe we will see her at the wild in December 2022 I say that like I'm gonna do it Hmm. but she's certainly 
taking her recovery seriously and um, as serious as you would training for an event like Western States. So I'm super excited to see how the rest of the year plays out for Ruth anyway. And we will include links to the Dirt Church radio podcast that I was referring to where Ruth goes into a, the Western States race in really great detail, which is awesome. And also links to her Instagram page and her Twitter profile as well. So next week then, we will have that conversation that I had with Andrew Kuknick, which is definitely worth checking out as he's a PhD researcher who has type 1 diabetes he does his research in nutrition and metabolism and he has found managing his blood sugars through a low carb approach has been super successful for him and so we talk all about the research behind it and what makes it such a successful approach until then though team you can catch me over on twitter and instagram at mickey willardin on facebook at mickey willardin nutrition or on my website, mickeywillardin.com, where you can sign up to one of my meal plans, where you get a 28-day meal plan, shopping list, access to my weekly email and forum, and also the ability to ask me any questions to help individualize your nutrition response. And I also have fat loss plans up there, eight-week fat loss plan for men and women, a keto longevity plan, or you could book a one-on-one consultation with me. But if you just wanted to get my email, absolutely jump on and put your email in the pop-up box that's on my website. And then you just get thoughts from me every week on what I'm researching or what I'm thinking about, things like that. I really appreciate you listening to Wikipedia. If you haven't already, jump on over to your podcast platform and hit subscribe and share with your mates. That would be awesome. But until next week, guys, have a great week and we'll catch you then. See you later.